You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. episode we'll be talking about the birds the notorious bird brothers in the room i have rob john Mm -hmm. and ben tighten up now the notorious bird brothers is the fifth album by the american rock band the birds and was released january 15th 1968 on columbia records the producer is gary usher and the genre is rock and psychedelic rock recording sessions for the notorious bird brothers took place throughout the latter half of the 1967 and were fraught with tension resulting in the loss of rhythm guitarist david crosby in October of 67, and drummer Michael Clark midway through the recording. Additionally, one of the original band members, Gene Clark, who had left the group in early 66, rejoined for three weeks during the making of the album before leaving again. In spite of these changes in personnel and the conflicts surrounding its creation, The Notorious Bird Brothers is one of the band's most interesting and cohesive sounding albums that furthered the ever-evolving sound of the birds. The album manages to capture the band at the height of their creative powers, not only musically, but lyrically and technically as well. The studio production used new techniques, including phasing, flanging, and spatial panning, and it was one of the first albums to use the modal synthesizer. Band biographer Johnny Rogan has written that the album is the bird's greatest accomplishment. It creates a seamless mood pieced from a variety of different sources, bound together by innovative studio experimentation. Although the album is widely regarded as the band's most experimental, its running time of little under 29 minutes it makes it the band's shortest. All right, what do we think of the Notorious Bird Brothers? Well, in regards to what you just said, the first thing I wrote down uh, was longest 28.5 minutes <laughs> ever, question mark. Um, I didn't hate everything the odd thing about all of this and you you would think the whole moog modular thing would be like a oh rob's gonna love that i'll dig it (laughs) that that was the most offensive part (laughs) to to me it was just they i mean no one knew how to fucking work that shit and no one will for another couple of years um so having that thrown in it was more novelty than anything else honestly the shit that i enjoyed the most was uh the more country stuff so i'm actually kind of Ooh, you've got a treat coming. I know, I'm kind of looking forward to uh, 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 Prince of the Rodeo. Sweetheart of the Rodeo. No. Archduke of the Rodeo. Arch. <laughs> um, no, there's they're, they're some pretty cool uh, 
No, actually, there, there there's two different things. There's one track that has five four is like the uh, the regular going like thing. Super fun jumps into six eight. Super fun. Then there's another song that has five four and it fucking sucks. <laughs> so you're referring to firstly get to you and secondly tribal gathering. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh man. Like my, when I wrote down like five four is fun and then we get to tribal gathering. I just wrote down not fun five four sad face. <laughs> uh, Artificial energy, and I, I, I don't know. I said that had, I mean, the horns just kill it for it. Yes. Yeah. It think sounds it's just super it's lame. Too horns much with the horns are simulating the effects of methamphetamines, <laughs> man. No. Uh, no, and, and the, like, the, the intro you just did <laughs> talking about brand new studio innovations, I was like, these motherfuckers listen to the Beatles. There's no <laughs> two ways about it, and I, I looked it up, and yeah, uh, one of the guys was like, uh, oh yeah, we were, we were, you know, Revolver was a really big influence. Oh no, yeah. shit, really? <laughs> yeah. Anyways, get, get get away from me. <laughs> I didn't hate this record. Uh, I still think that there's too there's too much birds representation. I think that the, in the book, in the book, and I think that a few of these records should be cut out. Uh, I liked I like this one better than Five D. I like this one better than Younger Than Yesterday. Uh, th- this is the, actually the first time I've listened to this album uh, straight through. I knew a few tracks. I liked more of it than I didn't like. Uh, it's still it's not blowing my mind. It's just like I like the way the birds sound, and this sounds like a birds record. Yeah. It's not my favorite, but it's not my least favorite. Yeah, I'm I'm not a birds fan, uh, and I didn't hate everything on this album, but neither did I like any song particularly I wasn't like oh this is this is for me because you know there are elements of, of certain songs that I thought were interesting and I agree with Rob that surprisingly the country stuff was was actually kind of nice and maybe it's because we'd heard so much uh, I think in some of my notes like soft psych bullshit uh, that it's like oh this is refreshing this is you know nice clean lap steel or, or you know I think that like the whole world is feeling like that at this point in 1968. It's just like, so much. How about you tune up that banjo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, take some of that. Yeah, I'll have any of that over this weird, shitty flute or I, you know, other random garbage that you're saying. But yeah, uh, it's. I guess it's kind of indicative of the time. But you just read the the titles to some of these songs, like. Dolphins smile, tribal it, it, gathering. It, it, David Crosby likes the sea, man. Well, yeah, man, I mean, we, we it, that. that's not about a dude just blowing a wad. I don't, I don't fucking know. What, what was the uh, the line? Every day, blow and spray. Well, they, they, Dolphin they, smile. They cut his they cut his song from the track listing about about a threesome. He was mad about that. Yeah, he was upset. Because going back, which uh, I guess uh, other people, not me think is a great song and is one of the best songs on the album and but I thought it was the softest weakest song here I like it it was there you go other people that's okay but that was the song that replaced uh, a song about a threesome and I listened to the song about the threesome triad Triad. it wasn't very good (laughs) David Crosby's kind of hit or miss when he's on he's on but he he has a a lot of stuff that he needs an editor Mm -hmm. I think sometimes I thought it was interesting that a band that at accumulatively throughout this recording process for this album has had four songwriters, even though by the end of the album, there's only two. Uh, I'm counting Gene Clark and uh, David Crosby. And then you've got Chris Hillman and you've got Roger McGinn. So it's four songwriters contributing to this album. And the two singles are both Goff and King. And, you know, 
nothing wrong with a Goffin King song. Like, the, like they wrote fantastic hits that went to the tops of the charts. Uh, there's nothing wrong with recording a Goffin King song, but it's just strange that they've got two of them. And they've got four songwriters in their band, and those were the two singles. Yeah, I felt the exact same way because I started looking at, oh, who's this song? This song is really different and interesting. Oh, not written by them. You know, and like, I hate to harp on it because I'm kind of with you. Like, the birds are have a unique sound, and they're kind of an interesting band, but it seems like every one of their singles has been written by someone else, you know, it just seems like they wanted to experiment, mm-hmm. but they never reined in the popular songs to put out there. You know, like Mr. Spaceman seems to be like one of their most popular that they wrote. The uh, birds are not consistent. Yeah. They are, as a band, throughout, as a band and, and as songs and as albums, they are they're hit or miss. You know, like when, when, when the stars align for these long-haired hippies uh they, they align really well and 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 they make this really unique sound that a lot of people have been trying to sound like ever since but then there's also this whole big section of their career it's not one section it's, it's just a whole big percentage of their career where you know they're just kind of stat like i don't want to say stagnant but they're relying too heavily on the bird sound you can't hear my quotation fingers yeah uh but i'm making them yeah and for a band for a band that that boasts four songwriters you should not rely so heavily on songs that other people have written for your greatest hits written for each song and yeah most of them were just sounds kind of lame you know this isn't great um i thought changes now is is pretty cool that song is cool it has a nice riff to it cool groove yeah uh and it it kind of represented what i thought this album should have been um you know without the other stuff is a little more country um Mm -hmm. But yeah, I thought Changes Now, which would have been the first song on side two, was actually really good. Yeah, mm-hmm. real good song. Um, and of course, Wasn't Born to Follow, the the King mm-hmm. uh, song, was featured in Easy Rider, and it's probably the most popular mm-hmm. song on this album, right? And I kind of forgot yeah, about it, the it, breakdown. It, it was a hit. Oh, yeah. the, the psychedelic breakdown? Yeah, it goes yeah, into this it does. psychedelic like, breakdown that pans and has, like, like flange. We're a country and... band. Psych. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, yeah. I, what, what I wrote down next to that one was it's the soundtrack to the lie of a fun summer. Like, it, the, listening to that, I was like, 
they do, they want me to believe that going outside is going to be okay, but it's not. It's fucking hot and gross. It's like fucking peddling lies. I'd be interested, and I, I know that eventually we're going to get to Carol King's tapestry. It, it's got to be. In oh a yeah, I'm. I'm wondering how many times before we get to an album with Carol King's name on the front, how many times have we actually covered songs that Carol King at least co-wrote? Like. So many of these bands throughout the 60s have at least a Goffin King song in the track listing. Those cats were fucking prolific. Yeah. And consistent. Yeah. They were a hit factory. They write good songs. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> hey, y'all think that Roger McGinn is into outer space? <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Do you think that the birds... Oh, God. It's... Yeah. It, I don't think there's a space-related song on Mr. Tambourine Man, but it seems like after that, every, every album has, like, okay, we got to let old Jimmy sing about his spaceships for at least one track. Yeah. So, Roger, that's not his, his given name, right? He's he changed it. Jimmy McGinn. Jimmy McGinn, but he changed it because of his practice of subud. I don't it's know. It's his middle name. Oh. You start going I, I thought I read somewhere, know. I mean, maybe this is wrong, but I think supposedly, and maybe it is his middle name as well, but I thought he changed it because he practices this bizarre... Not bizarre, but uh, smaller Indonesian religious practice called sabud, which is basically just opening yourself up to like divine power. And change your name to a, a radio call affirmation. Yep, Roger, Roger. <laughs> <laughs> That's the traditional thing to do in sabud is to change your name to one of the uh, uh, radio calls, like Roger, like over, over again. Yep, over him again. Yep, uh, uh, out. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, Copy that, McGinn. So I don't know if that has anything to do with spaceships. Uh, it could just be spaceships are cool. Spaceship McGinn? Mr. Spaceman, I mean, is probably... Spichemin. What we, what we, yeah, Spichemin <laughs> is what we should call him. Yes. What do you think of Space Odyssey, then? I'm just curious. I thought it was, I, I thought it was kind of cool. Um, it's, like a, it's like a sci-fi sea shanty. Yeah. And I thought it was cool that it's based on the same story that uh, 2001's based on. Arthur Clarke. Yeah. 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 2001? A Space Odyssey? Mm -hmm. Yes, that's the one. Based on that? It's one of those odysseys. That's space about Odyssey. Odyssey is based on the Space Odyssey? Swap out Pyramid for Obelisk. <laughs> and yeah. Samesies. Wait, no, not Obelisk, Monolith. Monolith. It's a monolith. Which would be an opalisk if it were pointy. But if it was pointy. But I guess it's just square, so you call it a monolith. How can we tell? We haven't seen the very, very tip top of it. It's a good point. Could yeah, be I thought it was just Han Solo frozen in carbonite. <laughs> <laughs> Jupiter surrounded by Han Solos. Do you know that Anne started watching that and she stopped watching it because it starts with the ape scene. She's like, oh, is this going to be the evolution of everything? This is going to take forever. <laughs> <laughs> Literally five minutes into the movie, it goes to space. You know, like, well, she, 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 she's not wrong. It would have taken forever, especially in real time. Uh, uh, and I saw, a, I saw a video of... Uh, I, I I was kind of just uh, going down a, a link hole of like clicking links. You of know? the birds? Did yeah. you see the psychedelic Mr. Spaceman? No, but On I the saw Smothers Brothers? their oh, introduction man. to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 91. And it was just a few months before uh, Gene Clark died. And it was like a year or two before Michael Clark died. No relation. Michael Clark Duncan? Michael Clark died. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the drummer. Mike, Michael Clark Drummond. Uh, 
the guy from Green Mile? No, not Michael Clark Duncan. Who did also die, but not that guy. He died in the movie, but he's still alive, right? Michael Clark Duncan, I think he really did die. Did he really die? But that's not important here. This, the important part here... No, no, this, <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is important. Is he dead? <laughs> I'll check real quick. You, you tell your story. Okay. <laughs> um... Like coffee. So, coffee. so it was. It, it was. A vi- it was the video footage of them at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame playing Mr. Tambourine Man. Not playing Mr. Tambourine Man because there's a house band, but they're all standing up front singing Mr. Tambourine Man, and they fucking blow it. <laughs> it's like it's, the video car- starts, and it's it. The video starts, and it's uh, it's Michael Duncan. Uh, sorry, Michael Clark, not Michael Clark Duncan. I know. It's Michael Clark. Uh, the drummer, and he's, it's like, it, the video starts halfway through him talking to the microphone, and he looks like, he, he looks very 1991, he's got bleach blonde hair and a rat tail, and he looks like he probably smells like Salem cigarettes and Bud Ice, and he probably like owns a jet ski, is what he looks like, and it just it cuts to him and he just goes, oh no, it's only rock and roll, right? <laughs> and then and then the opening riff to Mr. Tambourine Man starts, which is like a, it's a very that's the opening riff of that song tells singers exactly where to to come in, like ding 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 ding, and it gets to the part, and of the five of them, none of them are near a microphone, and they're like. Oh, yeah. And then they all come up and they start singing like five or ten seconds late out of harmony. Like like they hadn't used their voices in 20 years. I'm like, dudes, this is a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Like you you, you couldn't just like even work it up in your car once. <laughs> I couldn't make it all the way through. It was it was really bumming me out. Oh, and that's been it all. Uh, Mr. Tambourine Man is. Senor Pandero. <laughs> Are you sure it's not Tambo Breen? <laughs> Here we deserve. Uh, Michael Clark Duncan uh, passed away what? in 2012 oh my goodness. from a heart attack, and uh, CPR was administered by his girlfriend, Omarosa Manigault. Really? Uh, and she could not save him. What? Yeah. Who knew? R- I didn't know that R- about R- either of them. I didn't know any Two of Michael that. Clark's dead, and it's all your fault, yeah. Ben. Blame the birds. Both Michael Clarks are dead. Yeah. Yep. All the Michael there's Clarks. Only two. <laughs> there's only two people Fresh with out of Michael name. Clarks. <laughs> but uh, what's the other Clark? Not Michael Clark. Uh, Gene Clark. Gene Clark. Gene Clark is the one Scared of flying. Scared of flying. And so he... Came back. Came back for until this album. Until they had to take a flight. Until they had to fly to New York. And then he <laughs> He's was like, like, I'm out again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I right. didn't realize we were still going to have to go somewhere. <laughs> feel about this album as a whole i think i am it's hard for me because i think there are two songs on here that i'm pretty okay with but that's not a winning endorsement i think through this project you you kind of summed it up ben 
uh, you were like, oh, I'm learning more about, you know, the music that we've always kind of heard or took for granted or whatever. And mm -hmm. now we're listening kind of with more critical ears. And I don't know about this album. I kind of changes now and wasn't born to follow or are kind of the ones that I'm I'm into. And I don't know if that's enough to even do like a neutral I think I just have to go negative. And I think throughout this project, I'm learning that I don't like the birds. Like, it's just... <laughs> you did it! There he is! I, I think... I'm totally fine. Except you, one of us. Google, gobble, one of us. It's one of those things, like, uh, Rob had proposed with Donovan. It, they are kind of a singles band that I'm cool with some songs. Mm -hmm. You put it on a mix, I'm totally fine with some of their songs. But as albums... I don't think I would ever just pick one up. I, you I, picked one up, but for me. For you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good deal. It was a really good uh, deal. But yeah, I just wouldn't, I don't, I'm not going to go back. I don't, I wouldn't recommend it. I just don't really care. You're saying you weren't born to follow? No, no, not this album. <laughs> Definitely not. What do you think, Rob? I, I absolutely agree with you. I would not recommend this to anyone. I would not ever, I would never listen to this again. I wrote down, what is pleasure listening? Was it ever a thing? <laughs> because this fucking book is killing me. I used to enjoy music, but I'm learning that I really do hate a lot more than I like. We just took a break. You had Dis plenty of time to pleasure listen. <laughs> Discriminating tastes is all I'm saying. No, I mean, the... There were there were two songs on it that I liked, um, Changes Now and uh, Old John Robertson. Those were those are the two ones that I I thought were were fine, but you know that does not make an album you should listen to. And honestly, I'll never go back and listen to those songs. So no, Bird's gonna suck it until I have to listen to them next week. Probably. Are you saying <laughs> that you won't be going back? Uh, uh, you're just gonna keep going for it. I am. They, well, they have so many songs in this book that that lend themselves <laughs> to that. I can make puns. a bird's pun off it, like. Most things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not, this, not, not my this, jam. And... <laughs> this album doesn't have any real energy. It's all artificial. <laughs> uh, but no, I, Man, I you agree. hear the line in that song about killing a queen? Yeah. But like not the queen. I think they're trying no, to... No, no. Like a, like a homosexual yes, man. Yes, a gay man. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and that's... You know, how is that somehow making your song edgier or better? No, it's not. No, I've got no issue with that. Killing well, the, queens? The, well, the song, well, yeah, he says, now I'm in jail for killing a queen because that's what you do when you're on amphetamines. I was asking if that was been, been had no issue with. No, no, no of course, I don't have an issue. With regicide. With, with the lyrics of that song because the song is supposed to be like a, a warning tale for, for amphetamine use. Right. And that's like, that's like the dark last couplet of the song. What I think is crazy is that the birds caught so much flack for the songs 5D and what, like, eight miles high. Like, radio stations <laughs> wouldn't play them. The birds were like, it's about being on an airplane. And they're like, no, it's about drugs. Like, it's about another dimension. Like, no, it's about drugs. And then this one, they're like, no, seriously, this one's literally about drugs. Yeah, no and, one, no one gives a shit about the birds yeah. at that point. No one gives a shit about the birds right now. This didn't sell for, for fucking shit. No one cares. Like, Onwards and upwards is what the radio was thinking, and the birds will come back and do a thing that everyone mm -hmm. will think of, like, hey, birds. I'll, I'll give it a neutral for its, you know, 
use of the Moog and use of some panning uh-huh. and stuff. I mean, you, you gotta give it all. I mean, it, they didn't do it well, but they did it. Dude, I would spent, like to see a Venn diagram. They had the twenty thousand dollars to spend. They, they spent twenty thousand nineteen sixty eight dollars <laughs> because I don't. I forget which one was like. Oh, I'm a bit of an electronics guy. I'm myself. guessing it's Mr. Spaceman. <laughs> <laughs> and the best thing that they could come up with was just a bunch of farting robots doing an Indian Raga. And man, it's well, there's Moog on Space Odyssey. There's oh, Moog on. It's not good. Is it on Natural Harmony? Do they do any guys? Moog on there's there's guys. some Moog throughout the album. Yeah. Just but yeah, the, the, the Moog on Space Odyssey, where it should have. You know, sword was garbage. Mickey and Mike Mike Nesmith were doing way cooler fucking shit with the exact same like product on uh, Aquarius and uh, Capricorn, but we apparently that that won't be in here. Not because good enough. Monkeys can't make it in <laughs> twice. I would still like to see a Venn diagram of albums that use pedal steel and albums that use Moog synthesizers, and I want to see if there's anything else occupying that little <laughs> middle spot Niche. there other than the n- notorious Birdie Boys. I want to say the Swans. No, maybe. Oh, I did. Yeah. Maybe I did see them, and they—I believe they had a a Moog and a pedal steel. <laughs> there were also some uh, novelty uh, country albums um, involving uh, the, yeah. the the Moog synthesizer. Yeah. Yeah. So. Speaking of novelty, didn't uh, which one is it? Is it uh, Draft Morning had a comedy troupe doing sound effects? Doing all the like lasers and the drums and stuff. Yeah, you heard that right. Yeah, you hear about the the drama about Draft Morning. Well, uh, so it was originally Crosby's. Well, he wrote the song, right? And he then... wrote the song, and then they recorded. <laughs> they had recorded the instrumental tracks, and then he quit the band. And mm. Chris Hillman and old old Jimmy McGinn, they're like, "Oh, we've only come this far. Do you remember what he what what he was singing?" And and Chris was like. <laughs> Well, I remember some of it. Like, I remember a few of the words. And Roger McGinn's like, well, we'll just make up the rest. And we'll give ourselves writing credits. Classic birds. David Crosby <laughs> was not cool with that. But they bought him a sailboat. Did just, they actually? Well, they, bought him a, they gave him enough severance money that he bought himself a sailboat. Oh, fair enough. For funsies, I looked up what $20,000 in 1968 equals in 2018 money. <laughs> $20,000 is $145,441.89. That's what they spent on that beautiful synthesizer to make the terrible noises that they thought were outrageous and so, sp- the synthesizer belonged to the birds, not like Columbia Records. Birds. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. They they saw Bob Moog set up at Monterey and were like, "This guy, we'll take one." <laughs> I don't know if Bukola was there or not uh, peddling his wares, but like, I don't know if you guys have ever. Not that it matters at this point, but uh, there was East Coast was Moog, Bukola was West Coast. Moog was making stuff that was keyboard based for musicians. Bukola was doing a bunch of acid and just making these fucking crazy things for people who have never even touched an instrument that they could, like, figure it out. Is that more like what uh, we're going to be, in, in a few episodes, talking about the United States of America? Is that more like what they were using? Um, they... Or did they, they just they, go to, like, their local Radio Shack and start buying yeah, the oscillators? They, they, they kind of had to build it themselves. Yeah. Um, but no, like, yeah, it's a fascinating documentary on uh, on uh, I Dream of Wires. They, they get yeah. into it, um, if anyone hasn't seen that. But I'm done. My opinion on this record. Um, I think that the birds are overrepresented in this book. I think there's five birds albums. And if there was three birds albums in this book, this album would be included. But if there was two birds albums in this book, 
which I think there should be. One of them would not be the Notorious Bird Brothers. I, uh, as a Birds fan, I think that they deserve two albums in this book, and I think it's Mr. Tambourine Man and Sweetheart on the Rodeo. I'd probably agree with that. Yeah. We'll see once we get to Sweetheart, I guess. All right. Um, that being said, uh, I, I, I enjoyed listening to this record. Uh, it, it's not blowing my mind, but if I ever saw it for under 10 bucks and it was clean, I'd pick it up. Fair enough. All right, Rob. Is it Moog or Moog? Moog. All right. You heard it here. You heard it here first. <laughs> you heard it from Bob Moog first. <laughs> you mean Bob Moog? <laughs> All right, next time we'll be talking about Big Brother and the Holding Company, Cheap Thrills. All right, thanks, y'all. Mm-hmm.